The views, opinions, and advice expressed in this podcast are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of Patterson Media or the sponsors of this program. Wellness is, you see these regrets as something wrong that has happened in your life rather than opportunities to learn from them. It shrinks your life because it stops you from taking risks, from moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree. It is that fact that we need to normalize it. You know, women are going to live approximately half their life in menopause. When I think about my relationships that I want to invest my time into, and it is an investment of time, I want to be with people who I feel greater and I am my best self. And that's when I felt so scared and I stupidly too, I went to the doctors without anybody so I was all by myself and I started to panic a little bit. Welcome to Choosing Wellness, your one-stop shop for practical advice about how to attain better physical and mental well-being so that instead of just surviving, you're thriving. Choosing Wellness is powered by Patterson Media. In this series, we'll share a health journey, explore the trends, and talk to the experts who will help you live your best life, and we'll have fun doing it. In this episode, we talk with clinical counselor Claire Maisonneuve about regrets, some insights into menopause that everyone should know, a being real story about a young woman's battle with breast cancer, and Life Unlimited Stephanie Staples talks about relationships and not the romantic ones. I'm Linda Freeman. Come join the journey of choosing wellness. Health Tag. Do you have regrets? Most of us do, and that is our health tag topic. For over 30 years, Claire Maisonneuve has experimented and implemented different approaches and strategies for overcoming anxiety and finding inner peace. Claire, welcome back to Choosing Wellness, and I'll let you add a little more to who you are. Sure. My name is Claire Maisonneuve, and I'm the director and owner of the Alpine Counseling Clinic in Vancouver. So we specialize in helping people with their mental health with different modalities that we use. And we have 26 counselors here and we do neurofeedback. We do all kinds of really neat stuff to help you optimize your mental health. Claire, I think it's quite normal for people to have regrets. For example, and not a surprise, right now about 30% of Canadians currently regret their mortgage, and more than 70% of Canadians are experiencing a high degree of career regret. That's according to BNN Bloomberg, not to mention all the little regrets in between. Mm. Now, we're focusing on women's health in this episode, and I think women are big regretters. I know I'm generalizing, but I don't think I know of any female friends who haven't felt regret at some point in their life. I think regrets are normal in everybody's life. When they become a problem is when we get older, you know, as a woman past menopause, and we ruminate over those regrets. We obsess over them. We have resentment over them. We can't let them go. We keep thinking about them. That's really when regrets become problematic. 
small regrets may be eating an extra slice of pizza, buying shoes you don't need, or not buying them. The normal life bits and bobs. Yeah. But it's when we really begin to dwell and dive too deep that issues can arise. Claire, why do we do that? My belief is there are three main reasons why we have regrets. The first one is because a lot of times people are still not satisfied with the way their life is today in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. In other words, it's almost like those regrets are still happening today. So, for example, maybe I have regrets that I wasn't fit enough, that I didn't exercise enough, but I'm still not exercising. Or I didn't speak up for myself in this or that situation, but I'm still not speaking up. Or I didn't follow my passions, my dreams, things I wanted to do, and I'm still not doing that. Or I didn't get along with my kids or stay in contact with my friends. But a lot of those things are still still not happening it's an indication that something needs to change in your life today but if the past is reoccurring in the present moment then I think that's where a lot of people get stuck in ruminating over those regrets the second one is people fail to learn from those experiences that they regret and they cannot see the lessons that are inherent in those choices. Because here's the thing, the way I look at life, everything is an opportunity for growth. And these regrets, which are choices that we think we should have made differently, they're just opportunities for us to grow personally, professionally. Now, when we grow from those experiences and we learn from them, later on in life, we can look back and go, I see that I really needed to go through that experience in order to have the life that I have, in order to move forward with what I've moved forward in my life. So we look at those regrets or those choices as experiences that we needed to go through and we've learned from them. And what was the third one? I think we have a big inner critic. So this is the inner critic that really loves to remind us what we did wrong. You're such a loser. You're such a loser. You're such a loser. That really likes to tell us, you shoulda, coulda, woulda. If only you did. And most people have an inner critic, but it operates to different degrees. So the good news is that's just that. It's a voice inside our head. And we can work with that. We can deal with that. But this inner critic that compares us to what the ideal path should have been, it's just a way of beating ourselves up, not letting go of things that we've done, And that inner critic will require healing for sure later on in life. Maybe I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. No, maybe I'm not. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. You are. Maybe I'm not. You are. So I think those are the big three reasons that I see and I analyze in my clients. And then it's a cycle. For some, it can cause anxiety and sadness. And really, Claire, would you say regrets can hinder your life? Yes, yes. And it shrinks your life because it stops you from taking risks, from moving forward. 
you see these regrets as something wrong that has happened in your life rather than opportunities to learn from them. When we don't learn, that's when failure happens. That's when regret happens. So we have to look at it as, what is the lesson that's inherent in this that I need to understand? I see a lot of older clients that come to me and they still have not resolved relationships with their adult kids or an estranged family member. That's very painful when you're in your 60s and 70s and you don't have good relationships with your kids. That's very difficult. But some of them have not bothered working on it. Some of them have not seen their part in that and have not looked at what do I need to learn from that experience so that I can put those regrets aside. So that regrets become, oh, yes. I wish I would have made that different choice, but it's okay because I see that I needed to do that. That was part of my life's path. Is there anything that you see on an ongoing basis that people regret? I think unhealed relationships, relationships that were broken, that were conflictual, that people didn't heal. I think some of it is people not feeling like they could really live the life that they wanted to live and be really true to themselves. Instead, they were trying to please everybody else around them. Even sometimes having a career that wasn't really what they wanted, but somebody else wanted for them. So I think that sense of being true to themselves and following their dreams and passions is a really big one or because they wanted to please, they didn't want to have conflict, they didn't want to take that risk. But when does regret get to the point that someone actually needs help, Claire? If it's consuming your life and that's what you're thinking about a lot and you keep ruminating about it, what we need to understand is this stuff catches up with us. It doesn't just go away. We have to work with this stuff. We have to resolve this inside of us. And it's not something that can be resolved with the world out there because it's something that's going on inside our minds. So we have to work on that. It's so easy to fall into the trap of feeling bad about something, but not doing anything about it. So Claire, what can we do to move through regret? To me, regrets are just... A gift. They're a gift. They're telling me, look, your life is not on track the way you want it to be, the way it could be. So here's your opportunity. It's a normal human response and reaction. It's very good. It's like shame and guilt. These are not pathological. They're there as motivators to help us see more deeply inside ourselves and get on a path that's going to be healthier for us. So this negative feeling should not bring us down, but should motivate us to move forward. That's right. And don't try to just get rid of it. Instead of saying, oh, let it go, let, leave it alone. I say the Beatles had it right. Just let it be. <laughs> let it be so we can learn, so we can hear what it has to say, what's going on. Don't just try to shove things aside. It doesn't work. We have to understand because everything we do has a purpose, whether what we do is constructive or destructive to our health, to our being. We need to understand the purpose behind our behavior. And when we do, then we have 
forgiveness and understand. You know, when you understand why somebody did something, you can let go of your resentment towards them. When you really know the truth and they say, you know, I did this because I thought I was being helpful or something. You go, oh, okay. I thought you were trying to be mean to me or whatever. Instead, we realize, oh, that was your motive. That's what you were trying to do. Oh, well, I can let go of that now. I can forgive that. Thank you, Claire. Claire Maisonneuve is a registered clinical counselor and runs Alpine Counseling Clinic in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. To share in the discussion about regret, tag us using hashtag HealthTag. Being real. Kinga Musinski was diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer. She was shocked by the news, but decided to fight and find the strength to stay positive. This is Kinga's story. This is Being Real. When I was 30 going on 31, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh gosh, I don't try to think about that day too much just because it doesn't really bring back the best memories. I was in this kind of transitional point in my life, I guess you could say. I was trying to figure figure everything out. I had quit my previous job where I was a production manager and I was getting set to go to firefighting school actually. I was supposed to go to Texas to do this kind of intense boot camp. So with that being said, I was probably in the best physical, mental shape of my life. I was so strong. I've always eaten really, really healthy. I took care of my body. So one day I was actually watching TV with my mom and my sister and I was just, my hands were kind of wrapped around my, my, my chest and then I felt this lump. And yep, it's breast cancer. Okay, so I was in shock. I called my parents. I think everyone was just in disbelief and uh, God, when you live it, you really realize that life can really just turn around in a flash, in a second. It doesn't take a lot for like your entire world just to come crashing down. And that's what that felt like, you know? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? Cancer, it's a scary word. Some people survive, some people don't, you know? And you don't know where you're going to land. It's just a big question mark and there's so many unknowns and... I mean, in life, they say you can't really plan and things kind of just happen. And when you kind of get catapulted into a situation like this, you realize that though we're in control to a degree, you're also at the mercy of life, biology, divine intervention. You can believe what you want to believe, but all I'm trying to get at is you really only have so much control. My first instinct is to go on Google and find out as much as I can. And if there's any bit of advice I'd give everybody is just stay off Google, stay offline, especially initially before you have all the answers because there's a lot of speculation and I don't think that's a very positive outlook to have. But I also at that moment in time just I wasn't equipped with the tools to essentially have a more healthier mindset and I was going down a very dark path and I was in a dark place, that's for sure. After my first appointment with my surgical oncologist, I actually felt okay. So I left thinking, okay, this isn't going to be so bad. I wasn't prepared for potentially having a different outcome. And the outcome was most certainly different. So after they performed my double mastectomy and they did a lymph node 
dissection, they did find some cancer in my lymph nodes. I was just so gutted, and at that point, mentally, I was done. And it's, I completely closed off from everybody in the world, and I didn't really want to talk to anyone, nor did I really want to see what was going on in in the world of my friends and my colleagues. And all of a sudden, I didn't have much to look forward to. All I had to look forward to was probably being really, really sick and not knowing if going through hell, coming back, if it was even going to be worth it. Yeah, treatment was tough. You know, it takes such a toll on your body. You get so, so tired. And I was lucky enough and I have such an amazing family and they took care of me and I didn't have to work. And my gosh, so many women, men, they work throughout their treatments or they have families that they need to take care of. And my heart goes out to them and I can't help but think how strong, courageous those people are because going through treatment is tough enough, trust me. And then on top of that, having to take care of little ones or having to work because without working, you're not going to be able to have a roof over your head. So after chemotherapy was finished, I was set to go in for another surgery where they would get rid of my lymph nodes. So I had my surgery once again. It was terrifying because, you know, you're just waiting for the results. And then when I heard that there wasn't any more cancer left in my lymph nodes and that they were all clear, I was... I was happy. So after the surgery, I needed to wait another month to recover and start radiation. And radiation, I will say, really did knock me on my butt. It just, I felt so, so tired. And I, I still have the lingering effects of it to this day. My energy, my stamina, it's just, it's not even close to where it was pre-treatment. But after radiation... I started my hormone therapy essentially because my tumor was hormone positive. Also, since I've been 30 years old, I've been in medically induced menopause. That comes with a slew of other physical ailments that make life a little bit more difficult, especially at such a young age, right? I do look at the way I live my life. I put a lot of emphasis on being physically fit. But I didn't give the same amount of attention to my mental fitness and just making sure I learned how to deal with challenging situations in life. And so now, my biggest thing in life is I'm like, I just need to know how to check out and when to check out and work on breath and really be able to reconnect with me on a deeper level. What I learned after this whole experience is the importance of self-advocacy and an education. If you ever have a weird feeling or a suspicion that something is wrong, listen to your gut. You can't ever be too proactive when it comes to your health. I think it's so important to like enjoy life. Don't sweat the small stuff. Tell the people you love that you love them. It's just these little things I think that we can all adopt to live happier, more fulfilling, healthier lives and really focus on the connections in your life and the positive things in your life. And of course, things aren't perfect, but they could just be so much worse. And there's so many people that, you know, their lives are cut so, so early. And that's just such a reminder to make sure I and the people in my life just to encourage them, you know, like do what you want be happy. Life is short and it can be shorter than you think. So if there's one thing you take away from this is make sure you 
check your tatas and advocate for yourself and for your loved ones and their health because it could save your life. Thank you, Kinga, for being so open and honest and for sharing your journey. How to Choose Wellness For over 40 years, our next guest has been advocating for women's health and has been working diligently to shed light and reality around menopause. It is so important to have these conversations. Irene Hogan is a pharmacist, menopause practitioner, and author. Now, I just touched the surface, Irene, so you can add in a little more. So I'm a basic community pharmacist that is dedicated to women's health. And I've become an expert. I'm also a certified menopause practitioner with the Menopause Society. I never thought of myself as an advocate, but I do advocate for menopausal women. And my mission basically is to help women, to educate them, and have them live a long, healthy life without the common diseases of aging after menopause. I think there's so many myths and taboos that we're going to talk about that women really believe that their health and their life goes down after menopause. You just speak so openly and honestly and really just let women know what they're dealing with and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You've been talking about this for such a long time. Yeah, there's still a lot of negativity around it too, which is unfortunate. Absolutely agreed. And I think we're still behind here as far as women in the workplace and human resources acknowledging the issues that women go through as they're dealing with menopause and the hormonal changes that happen. And let's look, we're not just talking about menopause, which is just one day in a woman's life. We're talking about perimenopause, which is the 10 years before as hormones are changing and women are experiencing symptoms. And then we're also talking about postmenopause, which is any time after menopause, and we're in that for life. You know, I often get asked, when does menopause end? And I say it doesn't. So we need to live it well. We need to be prepared for it and just highlight the importance of open conversations so that we normalize menopause and that we empower women to take action. Yeah, you're in it for life once it starts. And perimenopause can start at, I think, an age that often surprises people. And I know several women in my circle of friends that were in their very early 40s and one in her late 30s when she started perimenopause. And you're absolutely correct. Women don't realize that their hormones are changing. And it is. It's late 30s, on average 40s. And perimenopause, which is this fluctuation and changes in hormones, your hormones are actually going up and down. Menopause is a natural biological process that every woman's going to go through. Is there a way to describe typical symptoms, Irene? Yeah, absolutely. Every woman's experience is going to be unique. Where we used to say to women, suck it up, your symptoms are not going to last for long. We now know, no, on average, symptoms like hot flashes can last for up to 10 years. Well, women can't live with those hot flashes 25 times a day. They're not sleeping. And I say women are tired, they're sleepless, they're sexless, they're moody, they're bitchy, and they're sweaty. I'm just laughing at that because it's true. And there's different ways that women experience these symptoms and it can be really, really hard to manage and deal with. You know, we do have a list of what the top 10 symptoms are and some women will think of hot flashes and night sweats, but we sometimes don't think of the symptoms like sleep disturbances. I think that's number one. And definitely women should be monitoring their periods because their menstrual cycles are going to become irregular. (sighs) 
Mood changes, weight gain is a huge thing. Women don't understand that their metabolism changes. So you may need to change what you're eating. You know, women come to me and say, I'm exercising the same, I'm eating the same calories and I'm still gaining weight. I'm getting this, you know, menopod abdominal increase in fat like what do we do about that and it's because there's a change in how we metabolize we gain body fat unfortunately and we lose muscles brain fog that women talk about just memory and concentration and it's not early dementia or alzheimer's again it is due to hormonal changes and then joint and muscle pain is another one that's come up that women don't realize is due to hormonal changes and that too frozen shoulder Hair and skin changes, women get zaps and allergies and skin issues, changes in digestion. So there's numerous changes and we're not going to say everything in changing your health in your 40s and 50s is due to menopause, but there's so many that we do know are affected by hormones. I wanted to go back because this can be very severe for some women and you talked about the bitchiness and, you know, women becoming just these awful people (laughs) and hormone therapy had a major amount of negativity around it years ago. And that's changing. And I know that this is something that you speak to. So can we talk a little bit about hormone therapy? Because I think so many women are scared of this and it could change their lives for the better. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Linda, because yeah, that is my passion getting that message out. So we know that many women go through an emotional roller coaster. They have panic attacks for the first time. They have anxiety. They're irritable. As you say, they're bitchy, they're witchy, you know, And it can be absolute, even depression. Over 20 years ago, there was this big study called the Women's Health Initiative. And basically what it did was give the wrong hormones to the wrong age women at the wrong time. They weren't used for symptom relief. They were basically studying whether it protected against cardiovascular disease. And so they stopped those studies early. And basically the end results was women came off their hormones in droves. And they definitely suffered. And we're still in that study of 20 years where we say that hormones are bad for you, that they increase your risk of cardiovascular disease. Women are told that they increase their risk of cancer. And absolutely, we now know the benefits of hormone replacement therapy outweigh the risks and that those hormones that we use, they were basically a synthetic hormone. We use different hormones now. We use topical or what's called estrogen creams, which decrease the risk of strokes. We now know that certain um, hormones do not increase the risk of breast cancer in most women. And in fact, out of that study, the one hormone that was used, the women that were on estrogen only showed a decreased risk of breast cancers. And the women were all older, they were obese, they had uncontrolled blood pressure. So other things that contributed to the results of that study. And 20 years later, we're still telling women that hormones are dangerous and they shouldn't be on them. This is why I think these conversations are so important. The reason that we need to talk about it and let women know is that they're not living with some of these symptoms. It is completely changing their lives. And if you can get something like hormone therapy to put you back into being more like you, wouldn't you want that? Yeah. We now know, as I say, the benefits outweigh the risks. There's what's called a window of opportunity. So women shouldn't be told they're too young to start hormones or even they're too old. There is no evidence for that. It is in none of the guidelines now. So each woman should be treated individually. Look at her risks and benefits. And as you say, these are a lifesaver. 
So let's look at all those things that women are experiencing. As you say, these women are in their 50s. They're productive. They're part of the workforce. So many women go through marital breakups. They leave their jobs because they can't think anymore. And hormones can change all of that. And estrogen protects women in their earlier ages. So all those myths of that old research, we're hanging onto it and we're denying women. And they often say that they feel belittled, they feel dismissed, they're not listened to by healthcare providers. We're not doing basic preventative health with women. Women should be discussing their things in their 40s and discussing preventative health. We want to live well as we go into our 60s and 70s. There's another taboo that, you know, as we age, we should fall apart and be on tons of medications. And I'm a pharmacist, I dispense those medications, but we can definitely minimize that and live well. And you definitely need the foundations of lifestyle and nutrition and healthy exercise and stress, how to deal with stress, but let's offer women solutions that work. We need more of you out there because it's just unfair for women to suffer silently and not feel that there's any avenue for help. And then there's that partner support, that family support, that understanding that you need around you. Because I have friends who say, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my husband just thinks, you know, I'm making this up. And it breaks my heart to hear stuff like that. It does. And whenever I see men in an audience where I'm talking, I say, great, thanks for coming out. Because seriously, When women say that they've managed to open the conversation or have their husband watch something or read a book, they go, okay, now I get it. And they should go to the appointments with their significant other, their partners. They should ask questions. And then the women should open the conversation to say, look, this is what's happening. I'm not making this up. The more we talk about things, the more likely we're going to see the change that we need to see and make this normal in society that it's okay to talk about. It doesn't need to be shut behind a door and, you know, have women suffering all across the world. Yeah, I totally agree. It is that fact that we need to normalize it. You know, women, as I say, are going to live approximately half their life in menopause. We want to do that well. And it's not just about symptom control, you know, it is about disease progression and prevention. So that's why I'm an advocate for this. And that's why I'm so passionate and continue to do this with women. We could spend probably two hours talking about this and bringing up, you know, stories and examples, but get a copy of Hot Chicks, Hot Sex, How to Survive Menopause. It really is an incredible book. I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. And, you know, you are truly amazing at what you do. So thank you so much for joining us on Choosing Wellness. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, Linda. Life Unlocked. Let's unlock bone health. You probably already understand that calcium is good for your bones and helps ward off osteoporosis. The nutrient is essentially a building block of bone, and it helps maintain bone strength throughout your lifetime. But calcium can only reach its full bone-building potential if your body has enough vitamin D. Calcium and vitamin D work together to protect your bones. Calcium helps build and maintain bones, while vitamin D helps your body effectively absorb the calcium. So even if you're taking in enough calcium, it could be going to waste if you're deficient in vitamin D. Fortunately, many nutrition and lifestyle habits can help you build strong bones and maintain them as you age. Now, once a woman hits menopause, it's even more important. Menopause has a negative effect on your bones. 
Estrogen is very important for the maintenance of bone density, not to mention bone development. So once you hit menopause and estrogen levels drop, there can be a rapid drop in bone density. There is a misconception that men don't get osteoporosis. The fact is that men frequently get osteoporosis, and many of them are unknowingly suffering from the consequences of the disease. Research shows that at least one in five men will break a bone from osteoporosis, and one quarter of the 30,000 hip fractures caused by osteoporosis in Canada are in men. To help boost your bone health, ensure you engage in physical activity such as strength training that includes weight-bearing exercises and incorporate calcium-rich foods into your diet. Calcium you should get from food sources, not a supplement. We've known about that data for over five years now. It actually doesn't really help our bones usually when taken in supplement form, so get that from food. Like kale, almonds, yogurt, cheese, and even oranges give you the calcium you need. Depending on your gender and age, you need anywhere between 1,000 and 1,300 milligrams of calcium per day and get plenty of vitamin D. The recommended intake is a minimum of 600 international units. But don't start any supplements without the all clear from your healthcare provider. Life Unlimited with Stephanie Staples. Well, it's time to recharge, re-energize, and revitalize with our nurse turned motivational speaker, Stephanie Staples. Always, Steph, glad to have you here. Thank you so much. It's fun having this convo. You just never know where it's going to go, and that's part of the fun. So I want to tackle a conversation around relationships and the types of relationships that we have. I think this is a big one for a lot of people, and I believe a lot of people do struggle with who they should really have relationships with. I think sometimes we think a relationship should look a certain way. So from your perspective, let's dig deep into this life of relationships that we have. I did this experience once and it was really, really meaningful to me. And it was called Conversations They Embody. And I wish I knew who to give credit to. It's not mine, but I don't remember where it's from. But what you do on one side of the page, you list five people that you, you know, that are important to you, that you spend a lot of time with, they're impactful in your life or whichever. And in the other column, you write a phrase that is, I'm putting in air quotes, conversations they embody. And what that means is, it's not exactly what they say, but it's kind of the feeling that you have being around them or in their company. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I did it, I wrote my husband's name and I wrote, how can I make your life easier? He never says those words, but that's how I feel around him. I wrote my mom, I'm your greatest fan. I wrote someone else in my life. I was surprised by what came out of my pen. I wrote, I'm not sharing. Wow. And I realized like, it's not her stuff. She's very generous, would share any, but she won't share any deep feelings with me. We don't have any important conversations. It's very superficial. So you make this list and it can be quite a revelation what you write around conversations they embody. And it's very easy to look down that list and see who you should be spending more time with and who you should maybe be like, Meh. that kind of explains why I feel that 
when I think about spending time with that person or whichever. So it was a real light bulb moment for me. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts around it? I, I love it. I think it's a great exercise that we should all go through. So I just want to get some clarity to understand. So when you write the list of people's names, are you writing what you feel towards those people or reflecting what that person brings into your life? It's kind of your first thought of the feeling you get from being with that person. Okay, like it. Like what sort of a subliminal message you get being around. It might be like, there may be some envy around that, or there may be that this person is very, is very helpful or kind or gentle, or it may be abrasive. You're not writing a, a synopsis about this. It's just one little line that's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, that's how I feel around this person. That's how this person makes me feel. It speaks volumes, doesn't it, Steph? It's surprising. None of those things I had ever even consciously thought of before, but those were the feelings that came out. So, for example, this person I wrote, I'm not sharing, or somebody that you might write that's, you know, not the best person you want to spend tons of time with. And often we're, you know, we've married those people or we're related to them or some way we gave birth to them or something. <laughs> so we can't get rid of them from our lives. But we can put boundaries. Right. Once we have that kind of revelation, we can still put boundaries around who we want to spend more time with. And I know when I moved to this new location, you know, I didn't have a community at all, but I am not so desperate for friends that I want to spend my time with anybody. I think I'm a nice person to spend time with. I don't need just need company so bad. I'd rather be by myself than with someone who doesn't make me feel good about myself. And one of the biggest things I learned from a friend of mine we had a mutual friend who I had distanced myself from because it wasn't a good relationship for me, but they were still friends. But after a time, she distanced herself as well, but she said something I thought was really brilliant. She said, I don't like who I am when I'm around her. Yes. And I was like, oh, like she didn't put any blame. She wasn't negative about this person. She said, I don't like who I am when I'm around her. So when I think about my relationships that I want to invest my time into, and it is an investment of time, I want to be with people who I feel great around. I am my best self. I can, I can be who I be with these people. Because we know, right? Then we don't talk you know as nice as we want to we don't present ourselves in the way that's flattering to us and we don't feel good about ourselves then I want to be with people who bring out the best in me I do think that that is something that we all need to look at and you might be very surprised at what you find on the other side of that search where you actually look at yourself when you're with certain people in your life and you're like I don't like the person I am around that other person. And that speaks volumes, Steph. What a fantastic perspective and way to put that. The other thing I do that, that has been helpful for me, because sometimes we have to be around people that, you know, in our work life or whatever, but this one works for me in a different way. So there's somebody that I work with, perhaps they're very difficult, but I can't distance myself in a way that I normally would. I tell myself this somebody loves that person and it is my job to figure out why so if i am in a situation where i can't put boundaries i'd like i make that like a challenge that is my new thing i am going to figure out <laughs> what it is <laughs> about this person <laughs> that makes other people love them 
That's so great too, because you're right. There's some people that they're going to be in your lives. You're going to have some level of relationship with them. There's those boundaries you were talking about, but then try to understand why other people love that person. And then maybe it gives you a better perspective and a better way to then deal when you are around them. I never thought of it that way. It's like, okay, if I took it from that perspective, what would that look like? Yeah. Always giving us something great to think about before we go. Anything else to say? Yeah. It's Stephanie Staples encouraging you to live your life unlimited. Mindfulness Moment. Lisa Dumas is a registered yoga therapist who offers tools and practices to calm the mind and body, cultivate true self-compassion through self-discovery, and reclaim a courageous heart. In her Mindfulness Moment, Lisa tackles deep self-compassion as women come to terms with menopause. How can we experience these changing sensations as a natural cycle of life, of course, each woman needs to make their own decision with their healthcare provider as to what will serve them best, as to what support system feels best for moving through this time. But can moving through this time start from a place of really deep self-understanding? When it comes to specific tools that can help us with symptoms of menopause or for our changing minds and bodies. You know, some of us experience brain fog, some of us experience a lot of fatigue. So again, if our body is asking for rest, are there comforting ways that we can offer ourselves that without guilt? Because again, our bodies are going through so much. Are there moments in the day we can take for ourselves, to simply breathe, to simply nourish ourselves? Can we catch ourselves in our thoughts, being hard on ourselves for the simple fact of being more tired and offer ourselves a kinder inner dialogue? Of course, I'm feeling more tired at this time in my life. And maybe that doesn't make me wrong. Maybe it's a signal that I could offer myself some rest without guilt truly just taking some time for myself. And when it comes to hot flashes, again, there are a lot of different ways that we can deal with that. And there's not one size fits all, but can it be a time to stop and to breathe and to ground and to notice rather than make this symptom something bad. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's misunderstood. But can it be a time to feel our feet on the ground, to relax shoulders, to relax face and just notice that sensation? Whatever sensations arise, it's always a wonderful practice to learn about noticing. For a lot of women, this is a time where we may feel more anxious. And again, that can be experienced as sensations in the body. But we do experience these different mental states or cycles of life as sensation. So it can be helpful to move into observing, being a very compassionate, curious watcher and witness of those sensations, accepting and allowing them to move through us rather than move into resistance. So the largest practice that I would offer a woman that was moving through this very natural change in life 
is to find deep self-compassion and to treat herself beautifully at this time, even if that is not coming back from people in their lives or the culture as a whole. Life is challenging, and choosing wellness in our daily lives may seem like adding to the already long to-do list. But together, we can make it easier. Join us on the next Choosing Wellness as we tackle men's health, mental, physical, and overall well-being. I'm Linda Freeman. Let's connect again soon as together we take the journey of Choosing Wellness. You've been listening to Choosing Wellness, an initiative powered by Pattison Media designed to inspire and motivate a healthy life. For more information on this program, go to pattisonmedia.com and coming soon, everythinglifestyle.ca. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com, a division of Pattison Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast.